This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. The third leg of the Canadian Triple Crown takes place tomorrow at Woodbine, and although there will not be a Triple Crown winner this year, the Breeders' Stakes is a must-watch for other reasons. Here's one. There will be a record 18 three-year-olds entered in the race. A bit crowded, you might say, but that just adds to the drama and the excitement. The best of the best on the track and the best of the best in the announcer's booth with renowned and respected race caller Robert Geller at the helm tomorrow. He's our guest in moments, ready to set the stage for Sunday's Breeders' Stakes and dish out a few possible betting nuggets when it comes to Woodbine's thoroughbred card today. Hall of Fame jockey Gary Belanger recently announced his retirement from race riding. What a career! 3,685 wins, purse earnings of over $83 million. Gary Belanger is our guest today on Ponies 24-7. He'll talk about his decision to retire, how he arrived at it, and life now out of the saddle. Robert Reed Jr. is Woodbine Mohawk Park's editor of the Horse Players Journal. Wow. Busy guy who has taken on several other duties since we last spoke with him. Examples. He's lending his superb handicapping skills to other standard bred tracks here in Ontario. He's been hard at work promoting harness racing wherever he goes, and he's helping to build a bigger fan base for the standard bred product. Robert Reed Jr. will take a break from his hectic schedule today to join us on Ponies 24-7. And finally, he's back. We're thrilled. My co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and some other North American tracks racing today with our Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show. Please get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to work overtime today. When we come back, Larry Simpson will join us with our new show feature called In Case You Missed It, Ponies 24-7's recap of the week that was in horse racing news, sponsored by RS Bulk Propane. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. 
Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Ann Romer, and let me introduce you to my wonderful co-host, Larry Simpson, and our, in case you missed it, a look at the week that was in horse racing news and sponsored by RS Bulk Propane. I have three initials for you. TCI, the Mohawk Millions. Oh, my goodness, or OMG. OMG. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, just an amazing performance. Uh, this this horse was obviously the uh, choice to, to win the, the Mohawk Million, and he made an uncharacteristic break at the start, and he was basically um, miles out of it, you could say. And I think a lot of people, if, was, if this was the old days, they would have probably ripped their tickets up. But, uh, uh, you know, but uh, anyway, he, out of the blue, he just came back and, and caught the field, circled the field, and drove off to win the race. So, like, this horse is, a, is in I guess, in horse racing terms, a monster. And uh, who knows how good this horse is. I guess we're going to find out. We will. Absolutely. Thank you, Larry. And that's, in case you missed it, sponsored by RS Bulk Propane on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Are you looking for a reliable propane supplier for your home or business? Look no further than RS Bulk Propane, Canadian-owned and family-operated. With our premium propane solutions, you'll experience warmth like never before. We offer competitive prices, automated deliveries, and exceptional customer service. Don't let the cold get the best of you. Stay cozy with RS Bulk Propane. Visit rspropane.com or call us today at 855-225-0225. We are over the moon to be joined by superstar, Woodbine Thoroughbred track announcer, Robert Geller, who almost needs no introduction, but we always feel we should. And Robert, welcome a big day for you tomorrow with the Breeders' Stakes. And by the way, bravo for your work on the King's Plate. Oh, thank you so much, Anne. It's a pleasure to be back on. And uh, it's been a very exciting season so far. And I'm really looking forward to this third and final jewel of the Triple Crown, which will be run on Sunday or tomorrow. And the excitement continues, right? Because it's a, it's a large field. Why is there such a, a big field this year, do you think, Robert? I think there hasn't been a standout. I know Paramount Prince was impressive in the King's Plate, uh, was a very game third in the running of what was an exciting Prince of Wales stakes at Fort Erie. And I just feel that there are some horses who are kept fresh for this and some who are really suited to the turf. For the first time, we're seeing each of these Triple Crown races really well filled because it is pretty wide open in terms of possibilities. And, you know, I think back to the King's Plate, it was a pretty big field there as well. So, uh, obviously, Paramount Prince navigated that beautifully. Will that be to his advantage? I think his style is to be up near the lead, and, and I don't think uh, he will necessarily be affected by the, the size of the field, if that's the tactic. And I think he's definitely a horse that will be free of interference if he can stay handy. I suppose the question mark with him, though, is... Is he going to be able to handle a turf track? Because mm-hmm. he's very effective and very speedy. And the other part of it is it's a mile and a half, which is the classic distance, the classic British distance, really. And it's great to see that uh, he is in the race because, you know, his his bloodlines does suggest on the sire side that he should handle the turf. Maybe uh, the distance could be a question mark. But again, it's interesting. Sometimes jockeys in a mile and a half race uh, can get into a false sense of, security that they've got a lot of time and if it is a soft pace it does flatter a leader but i do think this is a tougher race for him well break the uh, breeders down for us then robert like 
you think it might be tough for Paramount Prince. Who do you think it, it, the advantage could be going to in tomorrow's race? Well, Larry, if there's a horse that I ever thought was absolutely a 100% fit for this race, I would say the 11, touch and ride, because every, every time I've seen this horse run, it just screams to me that the Breeders' Stakes is the race that this horse should be targeting. And I think that's what's been happening. A very lightly raced horse, so that's an interesting thing too. But the bloodline is strong in this way. Candy Riders, the Scion, and you've got Negon's Touch and the Negon bloodline. And that's a proven bloodline on the turf. And I love the fact that this horse is so lightly raced with so much turn of foot. And on turf, you need acceleration more than you need speed. And he's got that. He's also got the distance factor. I think he'll go all day. He was very unlucky in the King's Plate. He had a good position early. And for whatever reason, horses who were dropping back, especially Kaipu, kind of fell into his lap and it forced him wide. And from that point, on a very slow pace, he was still closing very good ground. And what was only a second appearance uh, or third lifetime appearance, but the second on Tapita. But his first lifetime appearance was on turf. And he really caught my eye. So he's the horse that I think they will have to beat. And Kazushi Kimura picks up the ride because, unfortunately, Jose Campos uh, did get injured. And similarly, Rico Walcott has been injured. And uh, that happened on Thursday, and he broke his collarbone, and he was down to ride Kalko Kaipu. And Rocco Bowen will come in uh, to ride that horse, who's been very effective in Ohio and success in uh, where I used to work at Emerald Town. So... Jockey ship's important, but I do like the 11. You uh, you talk about touch and ride. I actually liked him in the King's Plate, and I actually bet him. And he did have a lot of traffic trouble, but one of the disadvantages was, as you know yourself, is it's very difficult to go out and win a stakes race after you've just broken your maiden, right? Now he's got that one race under his belt, you know, in open company, you could say. This should only help him, right? I think so. I thought he got a lot out of that race because he had to really show his true mettle off of a very difficult pace scenario and sustain a run from a long way back. And he did, he did both of those, even though it was not a winnable situation. And the track was playing very strongly to the leaders. But I think what I've noticed about him is that uh, he has natural talent mm-hmm. uh, in terms of when he was asked to respond in his maiden-breaking win, it was a sensational turn of foot. I don't know if he beat a lot that day, but he did win well. Of course, it is a very deep field, and there are horses who finished in front of him who are going to be suited. So there's, you know, I, I don't want to get overestimating of his, his chances to win, but I do think he's the right horse for the race. I, I'm very keen to see the other supplemental runner was Elysian Field, who I thought was a mighty good effort in the King's Plate after having run a mighty win in the Oaks. And I love the fact that Marquesi's put her in this race as well, because I think she'll go pretty close to going the mile and a half. I'm not 100% sold uh, that she will, but she's beautifully bred in terms of the Danzig bloodline for turf. And she's drawn the outside, so that's interesting to me. And I really love the run in the Prince of Wales stakes of Kalko Kaipu, who redeemed himself. And there's a very good, honest, trying horse. But again, you could look through, and there are many chances. All right, so we talk horses. We will touch on jockeys as well. But I want to talk about trainers. And when I look at the breeder stakes, I look at Mark Cassie and I look at Kevin Attard. It almost is a battle between the two trainers. They're both incredibly successful, aren't they? They really are. And Kevin's had what I think is a very good judgment of putting the right horse in the right race. I mean, you could argue with Kevin that Philip Maidia, who's been off form, is 
probably his best turf runner in the field. And the reason the horse has been off form is that he's run on the Tapita since his very successful two-year-old campaign. He's a different horse on the turf. And I really like the chances of this horse with the blinkers off to run a much better race for Kevin Attard. Mark Cassie, you know, he's, he's just been phenomenal for us in many ways. And Gary Barber did come in to watch his horse win the King's Plate in Paramount Prince in Elysian Field. It was quite a moment for him. They've both come out of those races well, and we've seen Paramount Prince since. But Mark Cassie, uh, you know, I'm sure he could have probably bypassed this race if he had wanted to with one, either one of them. Uh, Kevin Attard may also be feeling slightly more confident with Wickenheiser, the 14, but Kevin um, may have been a bit disappointed with that run in the King's Plate, but this horse is so much better on turf. All to say they're monster trainers, and so too would be Roger Atfield. And I know Roger was very frustrated by the long shot two-way crossing because that horse was really inconvenienced at the start and missed the break significantly in the King's Plate. And that horse does like turf and is a long, long shot, but is really well-bred for this race by English Channel, uh, who was recently passed, and it was a mighty good sire of, of turf horses. So there are angles on the, ra- on the race in terms of trainers, absolutely, Anne, and I do think you know, you've got to respect that. And I do believe that uh, in ownership, too, uh, that's why I'm leaning to Chiefswood Stables. They love to win this race. They've done it before, and uh, Nipagon was a recent example. And I do think that all those factors are well worth considering. Well, everything you've spoken about, Robert, proves why it is so difficult to have a Canadian Triple Crown winner, right? It's because of the fact that you had big fields in the in the plate, then you had a sloppy track at uh, Prince of Wales, and now you have horses coming into the uh, breeders. You don't know whether they can go the mile and a half and go on the, on the turf. you got three surfaces, right? That's a big factor. And I did think that... Uh, the other part of the equation is because since COVID we've pushed the start back for the King's Plate, it, it, it allows more horses to develop. So you see a little bit more shift in the way they mature. Whereas if it's earlier, some of those horses haven't fully come into their own as three-year-olds. And I think it's more likely that the speed horses or those horses who've, who've really in some ways been more precocious can, can hold out to win a triple crown. I think as we find it's similar to what happens in the United States when you see the Triple Crown horses take on other three-year-olds in the Breeders' Cup. And sometimes those more recent horses like Archangelo come out and defeat horses like Forte. So this, this is a trend, but I do agree that the surfaces are vital. I must say I really loved Velocitor. I actually was 100% behind that horse as a, a selection to win the Prince of Wales. And I said to Justin, I really think your horse will love the dirt. And uh, he rode a marvellous race. So I do think that certainly those races, if you get the right horse in the right race and they're running into form, that's the one to look for. So the King's Plate, Paramount Prince, the Prince of Wales, Velocitor, the breeder stakes tomorrow. What does it mean to a horse, an owner, a breeder and a trainer to have a horse win one but only one of the Triple Crown? Well, to win any of those legs is, is tremendous for its uh, value as as a uh, future stallion and certainly as uh in terms of the operation itself the, the the breeders gain tremendous amount of respect because you're looking at uh the premier races for three-year-olds in the country and you're looking at horses who are 
specifically bought with that in mind. So to achieve that completely at any level in terms of whether it's a win on one of them, two of them, or potentially a triple crown speaks volumes because it's so hard to keep horses sound anyway because of the nature of athletics, just generally in equine athletics. But particularly seems to be too these days when we do have a lot of uh, speed in speed horses in races but I do think that it, it, it tremendously adds to the, uh, to, the, to the value in terms of studs if they're not a gelding and if they're a, if they're a filly, a broodmare future, future down the line. And certainly it adds to the uh, kudos of all those associated in terms of the training. Well, we've covered the breeders, but before we get to the breeders tomorrow, we have a carter racing today at uh, Woodbine. Uh, talk about it. Give us a couple of betting nuggets that uh, we can uh, chomp on today. Well, we have some great races, and I do love the ninth race as a betting race. I think, Larry, this is a really fantastic betting race in terms of across-the-board plays, if you can find the right horse. It's a seven-and-a-half furlong race on inner turf, and there's a sneaky little horse here that I like at a big price. It's number eight, Banff. I looked at the run recently, and it was not recent, but the most recent run was back on the 23rd of July, and there's the only time this horse has run as a four-year-old, and was on a very hot pace in a good quality race that was a, a grade two race and uh, was handy to very good horses such as horses that ran in the Rico Woodbine Mile and then tried to angle away from the rail and continually lost ground in the pack getting out wider and didn't finish that far behind a horse like Lucky Score who ran third in the Rico Woodbine Mile. Going back to the three-year-old campaign this horse was on the rise and had a really, really nice finish coming off of turf races with a blistering glass furlong. I think Marty Drexler, the trainer, has put in some very, very solid works. The morning line is 15 to 1. I would be happy in a race like this at 8 to 1 to 12 to 1, but I would say this is a great across-the-board play. I don't know who's going to be on, but because the also-eligible list has uh, Kazushi's going to be on Banff, and I hope so. But I do think today Banff is a value play, and I also wouldn't say Kazushi's without a chance of winning early in the program in race four on three jump in Juni. Katerina Vasilieva has given this horse a lot of time off since taking over from Dan Vella, and I absolutely love the performances of this runner as a two-year-old. Now as a three-year-old tries turf, if he's able to handle the turf, six to one morning line would be good. Beat me and my shadow in a stakes race, and that's quality. So they're the two I'm looking at that I particularly like today. Race number nine, horse eight. Mm-hmm. And before we say goodbye, Robert, your preparation for today's races, but also for the biggie tomorrow, the Breeders' Stakes. What will that preparation be? The preparation is going to be the same as always. It's going to be a matter of going through the form in my mind, but especially when they come on the track, just reminding myself of the changes of cap colors, especially when it comes to uh, races where we've got similar uh, silks, and especially when it comes to uh, races where there might be a big field and you're likely to see horses get smothered up, looking for things to do with gear changes, and any distinctive features on the horse's markings. But I definitely like to look at them on the track, memorize the colors, and do the same process. I do think, though, coming up on Sunday, the 14-horse field, I'll go through it a lot more than I possibly would before because once they go away from us and run down that back stretch, I want to be all eyes on making sure I get every single move in that race. But all to say, uh, you never know until the moment comes how you'll, how you'll adjust. But I'm excited, and I think this is a fantastic weekend of racing. Well, quickly before we let you go, just 
quick answer. The Breeders tomorrow is on the E.P. Taylor turf course. Is it a little more difficult staying abreast of the horses and watching the horses when you're calling the race than it would be, say, on the uh, tapita surface? I think so. I think there's certain points when they go at, at a different angle from where your position is, and sometimes because it's so head-on. And a couple of times when uh, there's interference and a horse runs and gets into trouble, and uh, that causes a chain reaction on the turf, it can sometimes start to see other horses swarm up and surround or go up on the inside. A lot of changes can be deceptive on the turf track, uh, but I do think because it's a wide track, it, as they come for home, it gives a lot more opportunity to really enjoy the call. But yeah, it does take a little more concentration, absolutely. Robert Geller, we will be watching, we will be listening tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us today on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, my pleasure, Anne. Thank you, and thank you, Larry. When we come back, recently retired Woodbine jockey Gary Belanger joins us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships, combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been a part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view their award-winning Hyundai lineup today and take advantage of some hot summer savings deals. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851 to make an appointment or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standardbred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. We are so pleased to be joined by Woodbine jockey, and he's a winning jockey, Gary Belanger, a Hall of Famer who just recently decided to retire from race riding. Gary, good to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, you had a very successful career, Gary. How did you know it was time to uh, basically retire? A pretty famous guy told me a long time ago, the feet pink eyes, is, uh, you know when your business is going slow, it's time to change venues. And business has been slow for you of late? Yeah, not as many opportunities and um, very limited. And people got really selective on the type of horses they were offering me. And 
I didn't see any point staying in the game for just average horses. I didn't have any more big stake horses. So I just said, you know what? I can leave healthy, not coming out of a surgery and enjoy my life and my child. You know, talk about some of the highlights of, of your career. You won a lot of stakes races. You rode a lot of racetracks. You rode against some of the best jockeys probably in North America, maybe even the world, eh? Yeah, I was really fortunate. Um, I mean, I had a really up-and-down career, a lot of injuries, but, I mean, also a lot of highlights, you know, winning the plate, winning the Oaks, getting to ride in the Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, you know, I got to ride for some amazing trainers and got to ride with some fantastic riders that I I learned a lot from and kind of helped me mold into the rider that I ended up becoming. 3,685 career wins, purse earnings of over $83 million. Gary, what does that mean to you? Um, <laughs> it's a lot of numbers, you know. I mean, you know, I, I never looked at, you know, what you made purse-wise and um, winning races, you're winning races. And that's what you're trying to do. I mean, putting a number on, I mean, sure. It's a pretty big number from what you know. everybody says. Uh, I was more just wanting to be the best rider I could be. And you were, and let's go back in time as we like to do here on this show. How did it all get started for you? What was your first foray into the horse racing industry? I was always involved in horses, but I had nobody in my family that knew anything about racing. And, um, I was at like, um, a Jim can, a cutting event, you know, performance type horses. And I was winning those and beating like men. And I was only like 16 years old. And a guy said, you know, you ever think about being a jockey? And I said, yeah, I did, but I didn't know how to get started. And they had some race horses that they ran on little B tracks in Alberta. That was my whole starting point. Do you remember your first actual paramutual win? First recognized track would have been, the. At Tampa Bay Downs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like 1987. It's on an Arabian. And, and, but I'd already win like six, over 60 races on the bush tracks in Alberta. So it wasn't like my first win-win, but it was like my first paramutual type of win. And that's historic for you, but let's talk about the Queen's Plate victory and others that were really meaningful to people who watched you, but also, of course, to you and your career. What was that like for you? Well, absolutely. an amazing day. I mean, you, you, the emotions are so high, it's not even comparable. You know, you don't think about, you know, yeah, I'm, I want to win the plate. Well, everybody wants to win those big races, but when you finally do it, you're like, wow. Yeah. You know, you're in tears and, you know, you're, you got every sense is just amplified by a thousand. Um, and she was a special filly for Samson Farms that I'd worked a lot with and I thought she was that good. Um, so, you know, it was, a, it was a team thing. And, you know, it's kind of weird because that day when we do the plate draw, you get to draw a post as they pick your name. So you took what's left over. And I wrote her in the Oaks three weeks before, and she flipped in the gate in the two-hole, and she still win. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I didn't want to be in the gate very long. So Mark Frost, the trainer, asked me, you know, what position do you want, Gary? I says, well, how many's in here? He says, 17. I says, I want the 17 hole. And kind of like, are you crazy? I says, no, I can control the race from the outside. Uh, I won't be in there very long. So she won't have to stand there very long. And 
I don't want to be caught in the middle where somebody can bump me or she gets away bad and I get pinched off. When they went up, we had like, we were six choice, so there's a whole bunch of pins. He said 17, the whole crowd went, ooh, like, wow, <laughs> I, wow. Nobody understood it until after the interview and after she won. You won an Oaks, you won a plate. Was there a race, Gary, that continued to elude you that you wanted to win in your career, but unfortunately you didn't? Yeah, you could always save the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I mean, you I rode to, in I it, got though, to ride right? in it one time. Yeah. Um, most amazing day. I mean, there's no sporting event bigger than that day there. I mean, it is an absolute icon in any sport. And um, Jerry Bailey told me, you know, I went there. He says, you deserve to be here, Jerry. You, you know, you're, you're that good. You should be here. And he says, I'll warn you, you're going to cry in post-braid. Because <laughs> if you don't, you're not human, man. And sure enough, you know, when you turn to go the wrong way and you see the whole crowd finally they're all sitting in my old Kentucky home your hair stands up and you get welled up you get that big lump in your throat and you're like god damn you know but it's uh, everybody wants to win that and I just fortunate enough I got to ride it one time and grateful for that so you mentioned you are human and yes you are and you ride equine athletes how do you show your respect for your rides well I mean with me I'm always trying to work on knowing my horses more like their characteristics their likes what they don't like what we have to show them to get them more comfortable in racing so knowing your athlete that you're riding and the better I knew them the better I could set them up in a race um so I was always working that was probably my strongest athlete as a rider man I was known as a really good closing rider a really good timing I had a really good sense of pace and judging pace and um but just more, it was more knowing my horse, knowing what I had underneath me and knowing what they didn't like and what, how far their move was, so how long I had to wait or how early I had to move, depending on the pace and where we were. That, that was always my strongest asset. Well, you just mentioned Jerry Bailey when you were at the Kentucky Derby. When you started out riding, was there a jockey that maybe you followed and, and you, you kind of liked their riding style and maybe patterned your, your riding style after that rider? Um, there wasn't one particular, I mean, there are so many great riders back in my era when you had Shoemaker still riding, Pink Kai, uh, you know, and then you had super smart riders like Blue and, you know, Chris McCarron, um, Chris Antley was a phenomenal rider. I got to ride where I had the bug with that aqueduct, but you just seen guys that just did things, you know, Pink Kai was absolutely the strongest rider i ever seen in my life. I mean, he was so dedicated and could pick horses up that looked like they were just kind of empty and he get that extra finish on them. Um, so I watched everything and I'd ask those guys questions every day when I rode with them in Santa Anita the last the three years I rode there. But I was always that kid that had that thirst for knowledge that wanted to know more. So if I seen somebody doing something, I'd go ask them, like, how'd you know to do that? Like, what should I try to change? What should I do to try? So you're trying to emulate what they're doing, but I was asking the questions and they would sit down and talk to me about it. So I, I was always asking guys like those guys that we're winning the big races, and there wasn't one particular, but there was a lot. You mentioned Pinkai. Like, he was, he had a reputation of, of if you got into a stretch duel with him, he could get a little on the rough side. Was that true? Uh, Lafitte was really, I mean, not rough, but I mean, he rode tight. And, um, yeah. He was a very, not overly aggressive rider, but he was a very tactical rider, but like he, he wasn't giving you nothing. So if it was a dog battle, like you were going to battle it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about today's crop of jockeys. Uh, what about 
Kazushi Kimura, for instance, and the other youngins, as we call them, anybody under under the age of forty five, we consider to be a youngin. <laughs> what do you think of the new the new crop of jockeys that are are riding these days? Um, it's like any sport, and like young kids, you know, the young up and comers, you know, it's more like the, the only thing that I don't see as much is the thirst for knowledge. Like you don't see these young kids coming up to the older riders. Mm asking the questions they just kind of do their thing um i don't understand that but um you know it's like anything if you got you get got good stock you're gonna have opportunities and you're gonna win some races you're gonna make mistakes learning from everybody learns a different way um i don't see them asking as many questions as we did back in my year and are they asking you questions? I know you've retired and you've you're, you've cleaned out your locker and so on and so forth. But before you made the retirement decision, did any of the young ones come up and ask you questions? A few of them. I worked with a few. I worked with Sophie Vivids her first year when she came up here. Mm-hmm. I knew her dad really well. Um, a couple other young ones that asked me certain questions, you know, like, you know, Gary, amazing ride. Like, how'd you know that? But like, they wouldn't ask me questions on a regular basis, um, just because you're like competition to them. I don't know if they were a little afraid to talk to me, yeah. or they're just not their way. Um, but uh, only if a hand select few ever did throughout the years here. A few more did down in the states when I was down at Calder, and and when I was in Seattle, Washington. You know, a couple of the guys would always be asking me questions of younger kids that were trying to learn and you're winning two, three races a day. So they're always coming up to you and, you know, wow, great ride. You know, how'd you know to do that? But not so much now. You mentioned earlier about Lafitte Pinkai being, you know, very strong in the stretch and that, and, and you know, you had to be on your game to ride against him. Take us into, you know, the, the Woodbine colony when you were riding and that, um, who would you say was the strongest, toughest rider to ride against? Me. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I like your answer. (laughs) Besides yourself. (laughs) I mean, there's some great riders there. Patrick's obviously a great rider. He's very accomplished. The Silva was, you know, winning a lot of races, so he always had to pay attention to where he was and who he was, where he was in a race. Louis Contreras was another one who was winning a lot of races then, so he had to pay attention to him. So, I mean, you, you kind of learn your calling, and there was not one particular, but they all accomplished riders, so you better pay attention. You are a Hall of Fame jockey. 3,685 wins, as we mentioned, purse earnings over $83 million. What is life like for you now out of the saddle? It's a little bit different other than, you know, like you're not going, leaving the house at like 4 in the morning to get to the track and then see your people, so you kind of, figuring out what you're going to do for your days. I have a three-year-old son, so he takes up a lot of that time, and I get to spend more time with him. Yeah, obviously, uh, I didn't have to watch my diet very much, but I still had to watch it. Now, you like, you don't even think about it. Like, you know, it's, oh, we're going to lunch today. I, said, well, I never used to eat lunch. I never used to eat breakfast. I'd have a really good meal at night, so now it's like, we're going. I said, didn't we eat lunch? Well, yeah, now it's dinner time. I said, well, I'm, I'm not hungry. Like, <laughs> I'm not used to this, so... That kind of stuff is an adjustment um, and filling your time, what you're going to do through the day. You know, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do tomorrow? Um, those things you kind of, you always had so much you had to do. Everything was planned and structured, but now it's not. So you're kind of just open. Like you go by the seat of your pants sort of now. <laughs> okay. 
Well, Gary, it sounds like uh, you got your hand full with a three-year-old, I must say. So uh, uh, good luck moving forward. And we're not talking uh, horses when you mention three-year-olds. No, exactly. Uh, Good luck uh, moving forward. Thanks for doing this, Gary, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yo, thank you guys very much. It's been a pleasure, and uh, I always like talking to people about our great sport. When we come back here on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, Woodbine Mohawk Park editor of the Horse Players Journal, Robert Reed Jr., joins us. Stay with us. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Are you looking for a reliable propane supplier for your home or business? Look no further than RS Bulk Propane, Canadian owned and family operated. With our premium propane solutions, you'll experience warmth like never before. We offer competitive prices, automated deliveries, and exceptional customer service. Don't let the cold get the best of you. Stay cozy with RS Bulk Propane. Visit rspropane.com or call us today at 855-225-0225. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with hpibet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to hpibet.com to join for free today. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine. Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Great friend of the show, Woodbine Mohawk Park, editor of the Horse Players Journal, Robert Reed Jr. joins us today. Now, aside from handicapping the standard breads at Woodbine Mohawk Park, he can also be seen at several other Ontario standard bread tracks, analyzing the betting cards for the track's patrons. And he's our guest on the show. Robert, welcome back. It's my first time meeting and greeting you, but Larry, you and Larry go way back. Yeah, we do. We go way back to the uh, the Greenwood days. Uh, wow. and I was just uh, a, uh, a little uh, wee lad running around Greenwood, uh, causing some havoc around there. No, me and Larry go way back. It's great to uh, speak to you, though, Anne, and uh, always a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks, yeah. Robert. And I was just a wee lad at, at Greenwood, too, mm-hmm. Robert. So, yeah. 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 yeah no, There's I'm a not. bit of a Pinocchio nose growing yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> man, my nose is growing. Well, let's get right into it, Robert. The, you know, since you were last on, it's been a while. We've had our... Uh, a lot of new listeners come in, so let's kind of introduce them to Robert Reed Jr. and your role at Woodbine Mohawk Park and the process behind putting the Horse Players Journal together. Well, it's you know it's a, a labor of love. I said b- before, you know, the Horse Players Journal, um, you know, is, is basically what I write for every uh, card of live racing on the standard bred side, um, you know, at, Mo- at Mohawk Park, and and basically I'll I'll go through and and I'll give you you know my top uh, choices. Usually it's top four, top five. There's a high five uh, on every race on the card. And, um, you know, it, it's something that I put a lot of time into. Uh, we've talked about, you know, how it all comes to be. You know, obviously there's the, the, the past performances, but, but more so it comes from replays and just 
really knowing the circuit uh, and the horses and all the uh, the main players uh, involved. So, um, you know, I, I enjoy doing it. Like I said, it's it's something that is, uh, you know, very time-consuming, but um, I think that, uh, you know, the, the results uh, certainly, uh, you know, um, are worth it, and, and, and the feedback that I've gotten over the years have been you know, mostly positive, we'll say. Robert, you talk about uh, stats, you talk about replays, but what about seeing the horses live and in action? Does that make a difference? Does that help you? Oh, it definitely does. Uh, for for me, you know, I again, I, I had the um, you know the, the the privilege, I'll say, of uh, of being able to kind of uh, you know come up uh, through my handicapping ranks and as a fan as well uh, from a very young age at Greenwood Raceway, and and hanging out with my father there and all his friends. Uh, many of them brought the stopwatches, you know, and they would uh, be timing the uh, the the quarter um, score downs you know, before the race or, or during the warm ups. And learned a lot about body language of a horse back then, uh, and then obviously built on that when I actually, you know, bought uh, racehorses and and even groomed some and then helped train them as well. So, I I will typically keep very close watch of that, especially when I work the live broadcast, whether it be at Grand River Raceway or uh, at the Raceway at Western Fair or on the coast of broadcast. Always looking for the body language of a racehorse, you know, to to kind of um, put the finishing touches on whether or not I think he's a good play or not. But I guess you could say, Robert, handicapping has changed now through the ages, hasn't it? Uh, do people still time the last quarters in the workouts? I, I mean, I don't know if they do that yeah. as much anymore. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot more, you know, uh, data that's available, right, at people's fingertips. There's people that build models now, and, and a lot of it comes from, you know, uh, computer programs as well, right, for, for the analytics of, of breaking down a race. Now, I'm someone who still typically, you know, will, will use, um, you know, my knowledge of, of, of the eye test when it comes to uh, replays and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, but, boy, it's come a long way. Even just the accessibility of replays, Larry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was one of the privileged few that was on the list of getting the, the actual physical VHS tapes, um, you know, uh, at, uh, at uh, Woodbine uh, for their various properties over the years back then. And that gave me a huge edge. Right. It gave me a, a huge edge to actually, um, you know, go back and, and watch the replays where people were depending on the past performance of the program, which, as we both know, don't always tell the whole story of a of a horse race. Um, now they're available at your fingertips on uh, HPI bet every single replay for every horse or YouTube various outlets offer them. Um, and you know, that, that's certainly been something that takes away a pretty big edge for someone that was willing to put the work in uh, so many years ago. And I ask this from time to time of handicappers, do you rely on gut instinct ever? Um, I mean, I, I guess I do. Uh, you know, you know, I, I think there's a term in poker too, right? Uh, think wrong or think long, <laughs> think wrong. Um, I think sometimes you can over, over, overthink a horse race as well. Maybe overanalyze it and, and look for maybe an, an edge that isn't there. And, and I guess, you know, looking back over the years, maybe my first instinct, you know, has been the right one at times. Um, but again, I try to try to go as much as I can with, you know, the, the, the truth that I see on the racetrack um, and not so much the program. That's where I think you find the most value. Well, before we get you to look at tonight's card at, at uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Robert, let's. I want. I want to talk about the fact, like, there's Ontario Sires Grassroots Stakes tonight, and then there's Ontario Sires Gold coming up in in a week or so. For our again, for our new listeners, what's the difference between the Ontario Sires Grassroots and and the Gold? 
Well, you know, there's actually a third tier now too, and and, and a good you know mention of that would be actually Grand River Raceway. We just finished off our season mm-hmm. uh, on Wednesday night, uh, last Wednesday night. Uh, they had the Prospect Series finals there. That's the new tier they added in, and really, those three tiers now uh, I think are vital, you know, for the uh, for the the sport as a whole. Because you know, when I you know grew up, there was the golds, and there'd be eliminations for the golds, and they'd have the finals, you know, at different venues throughout the season, and the grassroots were really where if you had a horse that couldn't really go with the best of the best you put them in there and, and still be able to make a decent go of it well the grassroots now have become very very difficult i mean it, it's it is uh many of the horses in there are just a, a touch below racing at the elite level and that's why that that prospect series is needed to kind of have like an introductory um you know first tier lowest tier so um yeah the grassroots for me though like the finals that are going on tonight have always been one of my favorite cards because, you know, the gold sometimes can almost feel like they're, um, you know, not, not, not predetermined, but you'll have such heavy favorites that there's not as much excitement sometimes around those races, whereas the grassroots, there's so many more horses in the pool that are trying to vie for those finals. They have the semifinals the week before, which are always contentious. And, and you know, sometimes uh, those uh, championship events provide some surprises. You know, it's interesting. You've been hard at work promoting harness racing wherever you go. So where are you going to promote harness racing? And what's the bottom line? What is your end goal when it comes to promoting this incredible sport? Well, for for me, it's it's so it's what it's been since I've I've been uh, you know in my teens. You know, I bought my first racehorse. I'd always want to bring friends to the track, right? I always wanted to bring people to to the races, uh, introduce them to the sport, and have them fall in love with it like I have. Um, but you know, for me right now, my next uh, place to go is going to be uh, the raceway at Western Fair. I'll be doing the broadcast every Tuesday night there. Also doing some uh, work with uh, Ontario Racing, um, both uh, focusing on carryovers, so those multi-leg wagers that have carryovers, good wagering opportunities, um, doing video hits for them. And I also go to the OSS Gold events and talk to the participants, and we put those hits on uh, social media and, and try to keep those, those hits with drivers and trainers very light so that people can relate to them. You know, I think that's really important that uh, the, the personalities of our sport, I mean, unfortunately, the equine athletes can't talk, uh, but but the but the uh, human ones can and and I think uh, they do a great job promoting the sport when given the opportunity. Well, back to uh, to Mohawk and in particular Mohawk Million last Saturday. I'm going to give you three initials TCI. <laughs> uh, what's your opinion on TCI? A horse made a break at the start, yeah. was miles out of it, and still won. Uh, what kind of horse is this? He's he's a machine. He, yeah. he really is. Like I, I actually picked her on impression to beat him uh, on that occasion, and and I was kind of uh, you know gutted when 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 she made her break in stride because obviously you know as as a as a horse player I don't want to see any any horse you know make a break as a fan. But when I've got my hard earned dollars down in TCI breaks, you think wow, drawn impression now might have an easy way to win this race. Well, then of course she and her stablemate both made uh, miscues as well, and then uh, you know I was kind of trying to figure out who this was making a big move on the outside. And then, uh, you know, I was seeing alongside Greg Blanchard on the Costa uh, TV broadcast, and sure enough, it's TCI, and here he comes right past the mm-hmm. stalemate with authority to win it. And um, oddly enough, the Connections wanted to see him race off the helmet, not the way they, they drew it up for sure, uh, but uh, they, they were certainly uh, tickled with the way he uh, responded. But, you know, many people didn't realize, though, the rule in Ontario now is, if you're off stride for 15 consecutive strides, you're, you're disqualified for an extended break. Mm. And that's what the inquiry was about. So I was still kind of concerned, right? Because 
you know, you, you've got to kind of go back and rewatch it and count the, uh, the steps that he's off stride for. But, uh, but it was nice to see that that wasn't an issue. And we got a real nice, uh, come from behind story in the Mohawk million. And was that kind of a one-off for TCI? Do you think? I think so. I mean, I, I haven't really seen him put a step in before that. It was kind of just a strange situation, and he's a horse that typically has been, you know, forwardly placed without any issues. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to see what uh, what he does going forward. Okay, now we're going to put you to, to work, Robert. <laughs> uh, let's look at uh, tonight's Mohawk card. Uh, give us some winners. <laughs> We've got our pens well, handy. <laughs> the, the, the one thing that I'm going to say about this card is, uh, you know, these grassroots finals, First of all, we're going to be without some of our top drivers, right? Because we've got Doug McNair, Louis Philippe Bois, James McDonald all driving uh, in Dayton, Ohio for some big races right. there. So, you know, I, I've called uh, Jody Jameson uh, Jody on the spot before because <laughs> he seems to pick up these live drives, uh, you know, in, in these uh, in these situations. And boy, oh boy, has he ever picked up some live ones? He's got Salem Sealster now, last kick of the can, sweetest bell, and T.H. McMurray, who's likely the most probable winner uh, of the night uh, on that card and in those championship events. So I'm going to be really, you know, watching Jody throughout the night and the uh, success that he has. Um, and you know what? It's interesting because I was talking to uh, Shannon Doyle, um, Shannon Sugar Doyle, and, uh, and Greg Blanchard, who I'll be doing the, uh, the COSA broadcast with, and I said, you know, the OSS Grassroots Finals are always a night that I look forward to because we see upsets. Not so sure we're going to see that this year because I think there's some really strong horses uh, that, that are likely going to take a lot of support, like T.H. McMurray uh, in the two-year-old uh, pacing uh, Colts and Geldings division. Uh, new rules, even though he's got post-10 uh, in the trotting uh, division for uh, three-year-old Colts and Geldings. And, and Win Me Back has been you know unbeatable in the grassroots um, and I think he, he does his thing again, but, um, you know, for me, if, uh, if I'm looking to make one wager on the night, it's actually going to be in one of the overnight races, which is not unusual for me hmm. because, you know, that's kind of, you know, where I, I cut my teeth right in the, uh, in, in the overnight races and it's in race 12, um, non-winners of 8,000 last five on the pace. Number two, roll with the flow. I think it's going to be third time the charm back, uh, at this classification, fourth start back off a layoff. No chance the way the race panned out last time, back half of 53-4. and four. I think he'll be breathing fire uh, tonight uh, from post two. And, and I love uh, Roll with the Flow in race 12. I love how you describe that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, roll with the Flow, it's something that you do in your, your personal life. You have a, a young child, nine-month-old. Is your passion for harness racing, are you going to try to pass it on to your son? No, absolutely. I've got I've got a couple of boys, nine months old and and, and six years old. Um, both of them, uh, you know, they, they actually have hemophilia type A severe. If I don't know that as a bleeding disorder, so that's uh, something that we face as well. Uh, you know, with them, uh, a challenge that we go through. But the um, the thing is, is that um, you know, William has been he's our youngest. He's been exposed to the races a couple times, mm-hmm. and certainly seems to like uh, you know seeing the the big dogs as we call them because we have a couple of small dogs at home. So <laughs> that's, that's great. How we kind of relate them to him right now. But <laughs> um, but Robbie uh, actually will watch me on the broadcast. So I typically do them from my office um, in our in our in our basement, um, and he'll be upstairs watching. You know whether it be Grand River Raceway. Uh, or uh, the raceway at Western Fair, and he gets a big kick out of seeing you know Daddy on TV and 
he likes going to the races. Maybe not as much as I did. I mean, Larry probably saw me at the track five nights a week when I was six. <laughs> um, Robbie's going a, a couple times, uh, you know, a month right now. But I'm sure that will uh, that will uh, you know heighten as he gets a little bit older. Oh, good stuff. And that was because that was in the old days when they only raced five times a week, right? So if they had to race seven yeah. nights, we would have seen each other seven days, right? So <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. No, you know what? Well, my friends were all playing video games. Uh, you know, I was more than content to tag along with my father. Thanks for doing this. And, uh, you know, we're going to have you back on again. And, and I just, I'm looking at my bank account, see if I can afford some bets tonight. So you'll have to roll with the flow, Larry, roll with the flow. There you go. Absolutely. Thanks. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and of course, some racing at several other North American tracks. So please make sure your HPI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime. Stay with us for Larry's Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to OntarioRacing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering Platform and the Dark Horse app. The best and safest online betting options. Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships, combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been a part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view their award-winning Hyundai lineup today and take advantage of some hot summer savings deals. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851 to make an appointment or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Before we say goodbye, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems as Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. And Larry, you're always a winner in my eyes. Well, thanks, Ann. I'll try to be a winner today, too. Okay. So let's start at Belmont at Aqueduct. They have an 11 race card. Race six is the grade one $500,000 turf classic. For three-year-olds and up, it's a mile and a half on the turf. Number three, Stone Age, appeared for the first time since February 
back at Saratoga during the summer, picked a tough grade one sword dancer. And despite the layoffs, Stone Age was bet down to two to one favoritism in, in this race. And he ran like a short horse. He contested the pace, actually had the lead at the 5 eighths pull, but then tired to finish fifth. This horse had only been in trainer Chad Brown's barn for five weeks prior to that race. And since that race, Brown has worked Stone Age three times, the last one at five furlongs. This guy was good enough to finish second in the Breeders' Breeders' Cup turf last November. And on a final note, Chad Brown Brown is 27% with horses making their second start over 180-day layoffs. So Belmont at Aqueduct, race six, number three, Stone Age. Woodbine has a 10 race card today, and race 5 is a maiden special weight for two-year-old filly, six furlongs on the turf, a purse of $111,600. Nine fillies are set to go, including number 7, Blitz. And he's one of three, uh, she's one of three horses entered by trainer Mark Cassie, and Blitz has had one start at Ellis Park on August 20th, where she did take some money, but the rail post probably continued to... Uh, cause a slow break for her from the gate, and she never really fired after that. Since that start, Blitz has worked two back-to-back four furlong works at Woodbine, adds Lasix today, and for today's race, Blitz's uh, race at Ellis Park was on the dirt, but this girl is bred for turf, where we find the racing over at Woodbine today. Mark is 19% with Maidens making their second starts and turns to, to go-to rider Savachi today. So Woodbine, race five, number seven, Blitz. Thoroughbred Racing has returned to Santa Anita with a 10-race card slated to go today. Race 9 is the Grade 2 Eddie D. Stakes, a purse of $200,000. It's about 6.5 furlongs on the turf for 3-year-olds and up. 11 horses have been entered, including number 2, Bran, who made his first start back in over a year at September 2nd at Del Mar in the Grade 3 Green Flash Handicap. That was at five furlongs, which was too short for Bran as he lagged at the back, but he did close willingly. This guy was screaming out for more yardage, and today he gets it with the about six and a half furlongs distance. Since that September 2nd start, trainer John Sadler has worked Bran twice, including a bullet five furlongs of 59 handily on September 23rd. Bran also has two wins, two seconds, and a third in six starts at today's distance, and leading rider... Ron Hernandez rides for the second time. So Santa Anita, race nine, number two, Bran. Woodbine Mohawk Park has a 13 race card tonight, including several Ontario Sire Stakes grassroots events. Race five, though, is a one-mile pace, a purse of $21,000. Nine horses go to the gate, including number three, Forefather, who had no chance last week in the class where he drew the eight post and got away last from the gate. He was 13 lengths off the lead at the quarter pole, and although he paced his back half in 54-2, and two, he could only finish ninth. Two starts back, Forefather was able to finish a good third in the same class, where he was race-timed in 150-2. and two. Although Forefather has not won this year, he has picked up a check in eight of his last ten starts, and having the three posts tonight may put this guy into the race at a lot earlier tonight. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race five, number three, Forefather. Well done, as always, Larry, and enjoy this jam-packed weekend of horse racing. I want to give a great big shout-out to Mark at Fans of Horse Racing. Hello, Mark, and goodbye to all of you, and thank you for listening and joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a wee reminder, if you would like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine, by the way, a new one was recently released, please email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com, and don't forget 
forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign, Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma. For more information on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca slash ponies. Please donate to this cause. And stay with 105.9 The Region all weekend long. Thank you again for listening. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Ann Romer and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more from the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.